There Ooh, you go. there we go. See? I got more power in my voice now. I can project. <laughs> Am I really? Is this like when I have, like when a kid is listening to music and they're singing and they don't realize how loud they're talking? Is that what's going on right now? Hey friends, Brian Phipps here. Glad to have you with us here today. We are in a five-week kind of bonus season episode where we are talking to friends that have evolved in my life over the last number of years of leading Leaders Made groups. And there's something in particular about these friends that I cannot wait uh, for you to learn. First, they're all business owners or executives, and they've all become very close friends as they have entered into my followers made or leaders made groups over the last decade. And what I've seen come out of these relationships is an extraordinary partnership that has gained many, 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 many more blessings for each of us and for the community as a whole than I would have ever known to expect. And here's the problem that doesn't happen naturally. There's a barrier between church leaders and marketplace leaders, and I'm hoping to see that absolutely vaporized as we interview these friends uh, during these five weeks of bonus episodes. And there's no better way to start these bonus episodes than by bringing on Disciples Maids, one and only integrator, chief executive officer, boss in the house, Mitch Rice. Mitch, welcome to the Disciples Made podcast. Thank you, sir. That's a, quite a large title to, to live up to, so I hope I do a good job. Boy, this guy is a huge gift. I can't wait to spend some more time uh, letting you get to know who he is. I have spent, we've spent what, the last eight weeks now together, pretty yep. much side by side, learning about this thing called Disciples Made from your vantage point and you kind of reshaping that. We'll get into that a little bit later, but man, we spent a lot of time together and it has been an absolute delight. Mitch, tell us quickly about your family and your faith background. Just let us get to know you a little bit before some of this other stuff. Yeah, sure. Um, so married to my high school sweetheart. We've been married 18 years, mm. which is awesome. Looking forward to year 20 where we're going to do some really cool vacation. Um, nice. We've got two kids, so have two daughters. Um, the oldest is 15 and the youngest is 11. So, What are their names? Their names, I can't tell you. It's a secret. It's a secret. That makes no, I'm sense. I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, so uh, Rebecca is the oldest, and Ellie is the uh, is the youngest. So super fun. We're kind of getting out of the trenches, mm. and now into the period, which I don't even know how to define yet because it's still new to us. But uh, it's it's a lot of fun. They are cool, cool, cool girls. Awesome. So faith background. Tell me a little bit about your journey there. Um. Yeah. So how do I do that quickly? I would say I've believed in God ever since. I can remember mm -hmm. um, and used to imagine him in a science jacket, like building dinosaurs when I was a little kid. Um, somehow when I was about five, I found my way to a vacation Bible school and somebody told me about Jesus and I'm like, yeah, that's the guy. And I told my mom and she's cried and is happy and all that. And so I've had a journey that's, I wouldn't say it's linear, right? I mean, there's certainly been ups and downs and periods where I've leaned in hard in other periods where I've leaned away. Um, but very, very involved over the course of the last 
almost 40 years of, of my life. Hmm. Awesome. So your business now is Disciples Made, but the 18 years prior to December 4 of 2020 was very different. Tell us about that business and your role in it, how long, et cetera. Yeah. So um, I worked at a telecommunications company for the last 18 years right out of college, basically worked my way up, got a computer engineering degree about halfway through school. I realized I wasn't smart enough to write software, but I was stubborn enough to go ahead and finish. Um, and then essentially went into business analyst roles, um, through that period kind of started to explore what I like to do. What I really like to do was product and marketing. Hmm. Um, and then, so that really became the focus over the course of that 18 years. Um, towards the end of my career, which is probably the most relevant, really focused on leading teams, um, really in like the innovation and the value added services space. So um, we do lots of partnerships with technology companies such as Spotify, Netflix, Google, Hulu, things like that. So it was really a lot of fun to work with like new innovative companies and then figure out how to sell that into basically a 100 year old company Mm. and how to help that 100 year old company essentially evolve over time um, to make sure it continued to stay relevant for its customer base. Well, that's exciting. So <clears throat> during that time, you come to the church where I was serving, Westside Family Church. And how did we get connected? Because that has a lot to do with how you got into a Disciples Made group. Yeah. So um, when I talked about my faith journey a little bit, you know, I mentioned it waxed and waned, you know, like most humans. Um so I was just, so this was about seven or eight years ago and we just started like going back into, I'm not sure if it's waxing or waning, whichever one is the one where you're like, <laughs> Hey, this is a deal, right? Let's do it. Um, so got really focused on Christ again. And I would say probably for a 10 to 12 year period, um, in my twenties and in my mid thirties, it was kind of living on the fumes of my Christianity for lack of a better word. Hmm. And um, there were a couple of books I read that really kind of reawakened me. And then I was like, oh, time to get back on the Jesus train. Like, what's the process to do that? Okay, I'm going to go to church. Okay, I'm going to join a small group. Okay, there's this thing called a shape assessment I need to fill out, which tells me about my gifts. Okay, I'm going to do that. And I was just literally like, I'm on the escalator. Like, what, what do I do? Oh. Um, and one of those was I met with one of the pastors at Westside. Um, and uh, at the end of the shape, assessment, one of the questions was like, what could you do if you knew you couldn't fail? And I wrote, be a pastor. And which is interesting, right? Because I mean, I don't know, there's, that says a lot about like what my view of what it meant to be able to do something for Christ at Mm. that time, right? And it was a little bit of a less fully formed view of what I believe it is now. Um, But clearly this guy, like his name was Matt, so hopefully he doesn't listen to this. Um, I'm going to make sure he hears it. <laughs> there was no pre-work associated with the meeting with me, right? Because like when I saw him read that question, his eyes got kind of big, and he's like, huh, I, I, nobody's ever said that to me before. I'm not really sure what to do with that. So like he didn't have an answer for me. I didn't expect to have one, but um, I thought it was funny. And he's like, let me think about it a little bit. And then a couple of days later, he, uh, he's like, hey, I think I got something for you that you, you might be interested in. It's called a... I think at that time it was called a disciples made, or maybe it was called a followers made. I can't remember. It was pretty early in the business. Mm-hmm. And, uh, 
so we sat down at black dog coffee shop and he kind of walked me through hey here's what the program is and the commitment and all that and i was like yeah let's do it i remember him coming to me and sharing i've got this guy i think he's the perfect guy for the group and i said matt i think so much of you if that's somebody that you um that you recommend then then i want him in and that's how we met. We didn't get to know each other a lot during that followers made. It really started to pick up in the second phase into leaders made. So you came through followers made six months, leaders made 12 months. We had probably one of the most fruitful groups of leaders made that I've yeah. ever kind of worked with some really unique individuals in there. You included in that mix, of course. Um, after that was done, what would you say are the primary ways that you modified how you do business uh, based on that experience, like how did followers made and leaders made shape how you led at your company? Um, so, yeah, that's a good question. So um, leaders made really hit me kind of at a pivotal point in my career. Um, it was a point, I think that was about six years ago where I had not yet managed teams. And um, what it really did was it prepared me for how to authentically um, and with like a servant mentality, lead a team. Hmm. And I think that's one of the main reasons that as I became a leader, I was so successful and was able to, to get promoted so quickly. Um, because what happens in a lot of corporations is you do really good at a job and then you get promoted and then you do really good at that job and then you get promoted, and then you do really good at that job, and then what happens is you get promoted, but wait a second, that next promotion is not do more or be better at what you used to do. Now it's lead other people lead in what you used to do. do that, yeah. And that's a different skill set. Totally, totally different. different. Yeah, so I think that was really um, foundational for me. I think the other thing that um, was really important was the habit, the habits that I was able to establish um, because with with leadership comes responsibility and a higher level of accountability than when you're an individual contributor. Hmm. And if you don't have a healthy support system and you don't have healthy habits, um, and if you're not a healthy individual, you're at risk hmm. for sure um, as you as you climb any type of ladder, right? And you see examples of it all day, whether it's people in ministries, whether it's people. Um, you know, in professional sports, whether it's people in careers, right, where they, so they explode or they implode, right, basically because of a lack of support structure and a lack of healthy habits. Discipline. Yeah. 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 So those are some of the things that influenced you as an individual mm -hmm. and as a leader of people, not just a doer of a job. And that really leveled up your influence in the company. Very cool. Well, I don't want to like, I want to ask kind of what you've seen as far as your influence in me, but I want to, this is a special episode. You're, you're a unique individual as you're now on the team at Disciples Made. What do you mind sharing just a little bit about what even got you to the point? It's like that company, thousands and thousands of employees, resources, incomes, uh, disciples made not any of that <laughs> couple of employees startup. It's a big shift. What, what caused you to make that shift? Yeah. Um, I mean the simplest response would be Jesus. Um, I like that response. And so I would say 
everyone is called to ministry. I would say few people are called to what we would say is quote unquote vocational ministry. Yeah. Um, and even that definition I think needs to change and evolve over time. But, um, I felt a specific calling on my life to determine how do I use these skills that I've developed over the course of my career and use those specifically for a business or an organization um, that is Christ-centered and Christ-focused. Um, so that's different than most people, I would say. And, and and it kind of actually goes back to that question from that shape assessment I did, right? Of like, mm. what's, the, what's the one thing I could do if I knew I couldn't fail? Like, my brain told me then, like seven years ago, it's be a pastor, mm. right? In reality, what it is, is it's exactly what I'm doing right now. Mm. Um, because that's my equivalent of being a pastor, right? Based upon the skills and the gifts that God has given me. Mm. Um, so that's essentially why I'm here, how it happened. Um, I had an amazing job, man. It was, it was great. It was a great company, great people to work for. I mean, if I look at over the, the course of my career, I would say 75% of it um, was really, really good. That's and that's big. a, yeah, that's a good track record, mm-hmm. huge track record. Um, but what happened over the last, I would say three years is it, it was almost like the music slowly started to get out of tune. Hmm. Right. And it's like, I liked the, what I was doing, but the why was, it was, I was getting a little buzz. Right. And it just kept getting hmm. louder and louder and louder until finally I had to do something about it. Hmm. That's powerful. I know, um, since you were in that leaders made group, we would get together every few months and you would say, Hey, uh, would love to just catch up. And got a couple of questions, maybe on the spiritual side, just about being a disciple. And I would say, good, I got some questions about marketing and product development, which is your expertise. And you, over the course of that time, over coffees or breakfasts, we, uh, I know that you've influenced disciples made by helping us with pricing structure. Like you asked a lot of questions, like that would set us up for a helpful and simple pricing structure. You have. Um, since coming in really started to help get out three-year projections and keep us more attuned and focused on the most helpful Q1 and Q2 and Q3 rocks. I'm starting to think in quarters now, which is something very different than what I was trained to do. So many influences, but I'm just curious from your perspective, how has your business mind most influenced my pastor trained church environment shaped mind. And, and, and and here's the reason what we're trying to do is with this entire little bonus season is just vaporize whatever perceived wall there is between church leaders and marketplace leaders. And, and to do that, share the benefits of these type of relationships that I have with you and I'll have with our other guests as they uh, progress over the next six months. And so I'm really asking, I don't want to know just for me to feel better about myself, but what have you seen change in me and just be as raw as possible. Have I gotten insecure or, or what do you say? What have you seen? Yeah. So that's a good question. I think it's less about, I mean, we can go into, what's the journey been over the last 60 days and where have I been like amazingly surprised in your capacity and your willingness to lean into hard things. And that's certainly there. Um, but I think like specific to the theme of this podcast, I would say the only thing I've done is like given you language. Hmm. 
So that wall between sacred and secular is false. Like we're all humans. And like when you sit on the the secular side and you look at a pastor, you think almost like they're not human, right? This is this is the official representative of Jesus or this they're the professional Christian. They've got these things figured out. Um, and if you're a pastor, I, I don't know what you think about secular, but it's something different than reality, right? It's, hmm. it's either I have to be a certain way to have this image for these people or, man, you know, yeah, I know how to lead a church and I know how to do these things, but business, like I don't get that. And it's like a pastor, an executive pastor, a senior pastor, a pastor at any at least medium-sized church or larger is a business leader. Hmm. A church is a nonprofit. A nonprofit is a business that does not create that does not create profit. So the fundamentals are the same. The only difference is the language. Hmm. Hmm. If I was a pastor and I'm on this call and I want more relationships like this, what was it about the invitation that Matt gave to you that got you to say yes? Uh, I know that's a specific formal like request for a particular group based out of a particular step you took, but let's assume I'm a pastor who doesn't have those experiences or those steps, but I want to build more relationships with people like that. What would be the great first step? What's the best way for me to approach you, Mitch? Say we're back in that church, no formal processes, but I saw you and I just wanted to learn what you had to, had to share. What's the best way for me to approach you? Um, so you wouldn't, it doesn't matter. I think the important point is for you to have the courage to approach me. And uh, for a pastor to, and again, I'm going to be careful because I'm, I'm not a pastor and so I don't really know what that thought pattern is, but there's something inside many pastors I've seen that prevents them from being real or presenting their authentic self to other people. Hmm. And I don't know if it's fear. I don't know if it's training that's basically said, I'm a public figure and I need to act a certain way publicly. And then I can act a different way privately, which by the way is also extremely dangerous. Hmm. But whatever that is, I would ask pastors and challenge pastors to, to start breaking down that barrier that has been created inside themselves Hmm. that will allow them to open up to more deep and authentic relationships with lay people. Wow. That's, that's powerful. And it's, it's interesting. You just in sharing that reminded me of a, a man who invested in my life early on in this process. Won't mention his name, but there was a, uh, a pastor that was, uh, in kind of in the team prior to me coming to West Side, who had tried to get um, this particular individual's insight, you know, like I was asking before. And for whatever reason, this guy generously uh, gave me his insight where he didn't participate with, et cetera, to the degree that the another guy had asked and wanted. And I remember asking him one time, what is it? What is it that made you, has made you want to invest in me? He just looked at me and he said, you're teachable. You're asking questions. The other guy came to me uh, ready to coach me as to how to be a better spiritual person or whatnot. There was this built-in sense of I'm the authority and you're not. 
and uh, which uh, is kind of a humility question, mm. seems to me. And what you're saying is just treat me as a human, be a human as you come, and let's just start a conversation. Yeah, I like for it. Sure. I hope we'll, that'll be an encouragement for all of you today on this podcast. Find a business leader, perhaps, if God leads you to do that. Just invite them to coffee and just learn about their story and watch God start to vaporize this wall between the secular and the sacred. We'll see you next week. We'll have Dan Cooper, owner of Acumen, the mastermind group. Can't wait for you to hear more from him next time. <laughs>